Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of Only Pod Was Above Us. This is the dog, and uh, just like last time, I'm joined by my two good friends, JJ and Connor. Hi, JJ. Hello. Connor, hello. Hey, I'm here too. Connor's a graphic designer in New York City. I met because of their legendary bootleg t-shirt, Vampire Weekend at Bernie's. You've probably seen their work on movie posters, museum exhibits, New York City subway ads, or if you've got a smart TV in 2023, you've definitely seen it. Connor, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's glowing reviews. Yeah, glad to be here. And JJ is a filmmaker, songwriter, and web designer across the river in New Jersey. You might know his work from our Vampire Weekend trading cards that we did with Sabrina Futch, or the uh, 3D titles on my Contra documentary. JJ, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure always. So first and foremost, Connor, where were you during the last solar eclipse? The last solar eclipse, I was a freshman in college during my orientation week. They gave all the kids who were only going to be friends for two weeks a bunch of glasses to stare at the sun with. I remember it really vividly. It's a transient time. I don't really know a lot of the people I was with anymore. But I do remember seeing everyone getting really creative, finding ways to stare at the sun, different contraptions they built. Did you make any contraptions? I made no contraptions. I probably damaged my eyes a tiny bit, but memories were made. Yeah, so be it. Where are you going to be during the next eclipse? In Austin, Texas. Hell yeah going to be at the combination vampire weekend eclipse Ezra Koenig birthday party show in the pit front and center dark as hell listening to my favorite music hell yeah I'll be right there with you uh we'll be there with a lot of vampire weekend fans excited to meet everybody uh day before if you're in town we're having a swap meet at Butler Park April 7th, 5 to 7 p.m. You can RSVP at suckadogdick.com. Bring some bootlegs to uh, show off or trade. You're swapping meats? We're going to swap meat, yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Bring your latest catch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's going to be there. Rostam's going to be there. Rostam's going to be there. He was the first RSVP. Very first. Signed up. We are going to have a DJ set for him. No, but we got some notable heads coming. And yeah, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Is Rostam going to be there? He's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> just to make it... Just to, make to be it clear, clear, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should get into these singles that came out. Connor, what were your first impressions on these? I'm really excited about them. I love the visuals that they released with them. It's hard for me to talk about the music when the visuals are so good as well. I love all the drum fills and the big symphony crashes. And you can tell that whoever made the music video did as well. It feels like it freezes time a tiny bit in a song that's very nostalgic. Yeah, I love Capricorn. That was my favorite. I'm really excited to hear these drum parts live. JJ, do you have first impressions? Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> as discussed last time, I think I was leaning more towards Gen X cops and Capricorn, and I think maybe my bias wanted me to like Gen X cops more, but as I started listening to them and really sort of uh, taking them in, I've drifted over to, to the Capricorn side, I think. I don't think that it's better. I just like, I feel like I vibe with it a little bit more. Um, like you mentioned, like the orchestral swells. And I just like, I love like the dissonance and these very different instrumentals that are, are coming together. And then combine that with the music videos. Um, as Connor said, like, I think the visuals really enhance all the little tiny bits of guitar and various other things coming in and out. Yeah. I feel like the identity like with this music and the visual has never been like more cohesive with vampire weekend than these two singles and these two videos for sure i feel like they've always been like uh new york centric i guess you know but there's clearly a theme here so and there's always been like a heavy focus on like making everything like really cool really pretty <laughs> yes um, but this just feels like it's all so together and unified in vision that i really like my first impression on both songs the very first time i listened to them was that i was like overwhelmed with all of the different sounds and everything and it took me like two or three listens on each of them to like kind of wrap my head around it and then quickly fall in love with both of them yeah these are not paul simon songs no <laughs> <laughs> I, I dare him to try. <laughs> These songs would kill Paul Simon. He would drop dead if he tried to play them. <laughs> yeah. Garfunkel. I don't know. <laughs> I want to do a deep, close reading of these songs, but the first thing I want to mention is the first lyric of both songs. Can't reach the moon now. Black in the sky. Both seem to be referencing an eclipse. There might be a reason why these two were chosen as the lead singles. I love the Baroque piano part where you're just getting the world going by again and again and again and again and again. It kind of makes it a Vampire Weekend song in a way. Yes, yeah. That and the string section here. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that, like, Coney Island footage on the cyclone, you're getting so much, like, Ferris wheel and people running, and then you just see, like, death in the wetlands outside of New York. And then it comes back to the roller coaster. Yeah, there's there's a definite message to both of these songs that is bleak. But pretty. What if bleak sounded pretty? Uh, yeah. Pretty bleak. <laughs> pretty, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> this ending scene to me is so haunting and feels rich in symbolism that I don't that I have not been able to unpack fully. Mm. The Capricorn symbol looks like a 76 hanging next to the American flag. Yeah, this final scene uh, reminded me of There Will Be Blood. 
like a small church. Everyone's dressed so almost like Amish, <laughs> like just very, uh, yeah. And the light behind Ezra makes him look like almost like he's pasted in. Yeah. Yeah, where are they at the end? Is that a church? I've never seen a church with so much research material. It looks to me, yeah, it's like a it's like a reading room in the New York Public Library that's been made to look like a church. Is it? I don't know exactly what it is, but that's what it looks like to me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of little reading rooms in the 42nd Street Library that look like that. And I've like walked into them and been like, I should leave. I don't, sh- I don't. Here. <laughs> I like all the unimpressed hipsters behind him. It feels just like a live show. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's any faces to recognize in that crowd. Should I uh, get into my close reading? Please do. Let's go. So the song starts out. And to me, that's that's just an unease with the world changing around somebody and being unable to affect that change, having to just ride it along um, and understanding that you're not going to be able to change that future. And then that continues with... And it's sort of also, it's the feeling also that there is someone or something that is in charge and you can kind of sense that. I think that's a pretty common feeling. Uh, but you still don't really know what that is that's kind of directing the world. Uh, and then it goes into the pre-chorus. I know you're tired of trying clearly. You don't have to try. And to me, that's just, life is exhausting. Um, and you don't have to exhaust yourself on it if you don't want to. But at the same time, there's that implicit um, that you will just because deep down you do want to. And then we're going to get into the chorus, which Ezra actually confirmed what the beginning of the chorus means. about the idea of a Capricorn born in December, the year that they were born ends immediately and they don't get to exist within that year for very long. So again, it's just, it's it's the being unable to like hold time back. Time just moves forward. You can't do anything about it. And then we carry that forward. This one is really interesting. In interviews, Ezra said that it's not a reference to Diane Young originally. Like, that's not the primary meaning of it. The primary meaning is just that it's the same phrase. But, like, as a secondary meaning, he's like, that's cool. He even said he was like, I'm not as much of a smart Alec as I used to be. I, it was on radio. I think that's why he said Alec. Um, but, like, in a previous... When he was younger, he might have made it just to reference the older song, but now it's like, that wasn't the point, but he likes it. 
too old for dying young, too young to live alone. It's like this place in middle age where Ezra is as he's turning 40. Um, you've lived long enough that you can't die young anymore, and that's a good thing. But also, you're you're turning 40. You can't just like keep going solo. You got to figure out your life. You got to figure out a family if you want to be like fulfilled and happy and everything. Maybe not necessarily, but like that's a mode of thought that's pretty common. Um, and then it's both like connecting with history, learning history, uh, learning how the human race got to where we are, but it's also like just literally you are sifting through history. You move with time and you're trying to make moments and that's all you can do. Um, feel free to interrupt me, of course. All good. Yeah, I mean, too old for dying young, too young to live alone. That's cold. Those are bars. Yeah, it's it's like another version of wisdom's a gift, but you'd trade it for youth, or I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Yes, yes. It reminds me of um a, a Bob Dylan song, like the freewheeling Bob Dylan I don't know if it's just the camera quality of the video, but there's a lot of sentiment here that feels very like blowing in the wind. Yeah. Like you can try and fight it, you can try and taste it. Absolutely. Try and hold it in your hands, but it's just gonna keep moving. Absolutely. So then it's start the next verse. It's it's like what excuse do I have? I may not want to try, but like I might as well. And it also brings to me to, brings to mind like a sort of bleak phrase, uh, "Life is maintenance," which is just you have to keep doing so much just to stay alive. You have to take care of so much. You have to take out the trash every week, and it's sort of a bleak thought to fall into. But it's also at the same time it's like it's true, and you have to <coughs> deal with that and move on from it. And I think that's carried into. I It's sort of like, I wanted help, but the hospital's like, you're on your own, man. Mm. I I interpret that as sort of like, you're in your prime, and when you go to the hospital for something, a lot of the times they just kind of dismiss you because you're a young person still. And so like, like I deal with terrible anxiety. And so I would go... When I first moved here, I would go to the ER all the time because I didn't know what was going on. And they're just like, well, it's probably nothing because you're 20-something years old and like this doesn't happen to 20-something year olds. And so the hospital's like, we got other things to deal with. So even though you feel alone and wounded in the world and like something's wrong, because you are what people feel like is a pro- is like top of your game, like you, you look like health <laughs> that... They're not going to bother with you. Absolutely. That reminds me. I feel like I got this line at least twice from like checkups. The doctor would like talk to my parent in like high school and be like, they've got like a, an excessive case of normalcy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Take one of these and call me in the morning. Do you think um, I know you're, you're tired? Do you think I know you're tired of trying? Listen, baby, you don't have to try. It's meant to be comforting. Or is that like resignation? I interpret it as like, you don't have to try. 
but you are going to want to try. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Because I think the first listen, I thought it was like, like a song comforting someone, almost like a Blackbird, Paul McCartney to your kid type song. Yeah, I definitely heard that too. Yeah. As a good English major, I'll tell you, it's all of it at the same time. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> Hold it all. Yeah. Duality, plurality. Yeah. The Capricorn contains multitudes. <laughs> trying to be I in the same vein sort of is like trying to understand. That's what I get from it. Like not just trying in general, but like trying to make sense of things. And I think that's a really easy thing to let go of is trying to understand things Um, because some people are just gonna try to make sense of every little thing which can i can i go back to the first verse absolutely i didn't want to interrupt you while you were on a roll but don't worry i get to a really um, good place with this close reading (laughs) um the first lines i've you know I, we mentioned earlier that it's a reference to like a solar eclipse possibly or, you know, the constellation Capricornius uh, sort of just being in the sky. But, you know, I obviously there's some mention of power, you know, can't reach the moon, can't turn the tide. It's like, is that you could at one point do that and now you're alone and wounded but in your prime is that what's going on is like you had that and now you have to let go of that and the world looked different when god was on your side i could i have two understandings of this where one is like more literal like religion when you're young you know you have faith a lot of people have faith i didn't i don't know what that is but they went to church with their families and it was just something that was like built into them as like part of their life um, there's a quote from the movie Dogma, which I, one of my favorite movies by Kevin Smith, where there's a bit about religion in there. And she says, uh, you know, when you're a kid, the cup is really small. And so it doesn't take a lot to fill up the cup and to feel like have faith and feel that. But as you grow up, the cup gets bigger and that same amount doesn't fill the cup anymore. And so you need something bigger to feel the same thing as you did when you were a kid. And so now that you're older you don't have that anymore and so like you kind of lose your faith in your your god and and whatnot and sort of everything feels more real like it's nothing's when you're a kid everything kind of feels like a dream especially when you're older and looking back and your memories are different and every time you think back you're rewriting the memory again and again um you just don't have that anymore and things sort of feel real and i think that goes into the like the hospital thing and, you know, trying to solve that. The other interpretation I have is sort of very is similar is, you know, when you're young, you're immortal, right? When you're a teenager and you're younger years, you can't, you can't die. Why would you do that? Like you can do anything like you, you got wrists of steel. Yeah. You can, you can do anything you want. You got the rest of your life ahead of you. So who cares? But um, now that you have, you know, in Ezra's case, you know, you have a wife and a child, like it's different now because you're not the main character anymore. Now your younger self is a, or no, not younger self, your spawn, I don't know, (laughs) 
is now in, is now where you were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Anyway, that's my breakdown. Yeah. I think that's really strong. I especially like your interpretation of like when you're younger, like the idea of God being on your side is, it feels so much more real um, just because you don't know as much and horrible things maybe haven't happened to you yet or maybe not that many have happened to you yet. So it just feels like you understand the world in a way that as you get older, it's like it all falls apart and you don't get it anymore, but you have to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it comes, it reminds me of just the six year period between the third and fourth album. I'm sure he was processing or trying to make sense of the first three albums taking place in New York. And um, I don't know, listening to the albums, it almost sounds like he's writing nostalgia as he's living the thing he's going to be nostalgic about. And now you're just watching him torture himself over that nostalgia i don't know cut that part out of the podcast doesn't make sense nostalgic for garbage desperate for time no i think it makes i think combined with the music video i think it makes a lot of sense i mean the music i've said it before that i feel like these this song feels kind of like old vampire weekend in a way but like in a nostalgic way like if someone told me hey write a vampire weekend song from memory i would like try and like do something like this <laughs> you say that now and i mean i say that now yeah i um but so like i i i get that i get like the sort of like it feels like a dream of a vampire weekend song and you know the he's in his what he's he's nearly 40 now so very nearly he grew up probably like in 80s 90s and a lot of that footage sort of reminds me of that time that i was not around for it but i've seen movies yeah subway tokens yeah i've seen big and that's sort of yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was reading about the video um most of those clips are from dream city and they shout out steven siegel at the end of this vampire weekend video but i want to find this this little Gothamist bite, so I don't misquote it. It's described as a city symphony. Um, city symphony sounds like a really good way to describe the sound of the song and just how everything can crash down at once and be in harmony and go back and forth and without rhyme or reason sometimes. But city symphony as a film genre being described as a poetic experimental documentary present a portrait of daily life within a city while attempting to capture something of the city spirit um yeah and this does that incredibly well um there's a movie uh i think it's called berlin symphony of a city that's from pre-war berlin that's just all about it's all just footage of like the city throughout a day everybody going to work then at lunch and then like going home at the end of the day it's really beautiful when was that made? 1927. Yeah. So it's before, like, Berlin was bombed. So there's a lot of stuff there that is obviously gone now. Um, I, I do want to... I just want to say, I have a documentary about modern vampires of the city on my YouTube channel that 
has some very similar vibes to the Steven Seagal footage. I was going to say. Including Coney Island, Subway, uh, all found footage. And it is popping off right now. I've got like 2,000 views in the last week on it, which brings it to like 4,000 views. I had it recommended to me nice. today. I've, I mean, I've seen it already. Yeah. But Hell yeah. Like, yeah, it's a four and a half. I suck now. a dog dick guy. Yeah, check that shit out. That is my magnum opus. Uh, uh, diehard fans, you know, check out the comments where I'm I'm rude to people who criticize me. Uh, fuck, fuck those people. <laughs> 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 person commented like, "I would rather just look at interviews," and I was like, "Then just fucking look at interviews." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, click around the toolbar, all the suggested stuff. Yeah. Watching a Vampire Weekend video. I'd rather watch a Strokes video. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like this New York stuff, but... <laughs> not like this. I needed to be richer and grimier. Back to the close reading. I think we're about halfway through the song. So then the next little verse is... Which is just going further on to time and its inevitability, but it's also like you see that time is going to move forward, and that's sort of a realization you come to at a certain point in life, and you start to not feel surprised at things that happen to you. You start to reach a point where enough has happened to you that not that much surprises you anymore. Further just acceptance of the way things are. And but the unease in having to do that, um, but also just the inevitability of getting older, and you're gonna see that coming. The next verse. And that first part, a hundred dollars on someone's dime, I see is like we don't get to where we are nobody gets to where they are on their own people might want to uh might want to claim that but at the end of the day you always are going to get somewhere on the shoulders of others and and we're always going to look towards those who lived before us for some kind of answer and it's not that that can never be helpful or that you won't find something but at the end of the day, you're still always going to have to find your own answer. So I looked for answers there. They weren't mine to find. You look to your greats. You look to your heroes. But you still have to figure it out for yourself. And then we get into... Good days are coming. Not just to die. I know you're tired But here's where I got from the whole song. It's this idea that a Buddhist might reach nirvana, acceptance of the way things are, the way things will be, acceptance of your place in that, but find that disappointing in that that is all there is. Like you could still get to a point where you're accepting the way things are, but you're still like, I wish that it that there was more to it than that. 
and that's kind of the vibe I get from the whole song, which is like, I've got to a point where I understand the world and my place in it and my aging. But I am disappointed that this is all there is. That's what I got out of the song. I feel like that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the disappointed Buddhist. That's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think everyone has a moment where they they take a step back and they're like, "Is this is that it? Is this it?" Um, and if you want to, we can tie it to the beginning where I was talking about like sort of your dreams, basically of your youth, where they all kind of fade into whatever, and it's hard to capture that again. And so you don't have that whole world to you anymore. When you're small, the world is so big. There's so much that you don't know. And then you kind of hit just like, you know, a limit and like, or like, what is it called? Is it a limit? When you like slowly approach it, but you never quite hit it after a certain, like, What am I thinking? It's a math thing. It's like one of those graphs. <laughs> it's like a graph, yeah. It's like a over two graph, X over two graph. You can never get. Yeah. We're like at, at a certain point, you're just like, I don't know what else there is I want to know or need to know. Or like you're in, I think something that sucks is like when you get into that rhythm and then you're just kind of in the rhythm and then the days all kind of blend together and one thing that like i read this somewhere uh about like one reason when you get older time goes faster is because you're not having new experiences every single day and you're not learning something brand new every day and you're not meeting new people all the time and so because you're getting up going to work coming home watching your same tv show again going to bed like your brain just forgets about things it doesn't need to worry about anymore and you just it goes way fat way faster whereas and i don't know because i'm not the kind of person who has experiences but i bet someone who like travels all the time and is doing new things like it time slows down a little bit for them and you know and and that's why all the billionaires are going to space because they got <laughs> they got they nothing ran out of stuff do. to do they ran out of things and how like, old are they? TikTok like, doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't swipe anymore. I'm swiping up. Way up. First of all, I gotta say, JJ, one of the greatest moments of my entire life, I was standing next to you in New Jersey in a football stadium. So you have experiences. Um, I hope. Yeah. I do have experiences. Uh, seventy thousand people singing hey. Sometimes. Jude. Um That's beautiful. Yeah. But they feel f- few and far between, though. I think that is an aging right? thing. I, it, yeah. it's, it's the same thing to me. They're farther apart. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like, that's, that's one of the, like, I, that's also one of the best moments of my life. Like, I'll, that's such, it was such an amazing feeling, and it was beautiful to just, like, everyone, generations of people singing along to a song, and just, like, we were sitting next to, like, some elderly ish people and there were like kids around us it was like it was wild but yeah i still remember that very vividly because there's nothing else to remember in between (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was listening to hey jude today and i felt 
like a little bit of how I felt at that show, which is, it was beautiful and uh, touching. Did people naturally take the different parts of the outro or, or anything? There's a lot of layered vocals in Hey Jude. We were all singing and then Paul would be like, just the ladies, just the guys. <laughs> <laughs> just the birds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just me. <laughs> Can't help himself. <laughs> he still got it. Yeah. At one point he was like, ladies, let me hear a beetle scream. And it is the loudest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> wow. A beetle's scream. What do you what do you think about the acoustic guitar at the end of this song? I think that is a wholly unique section in out of any Vampire Weekend song to end on just acoustic guitar as they're singing over it. Yeah, it almost like dips it all in water again. Where like all the grime they built up, all the layers of it just totally stripped back. I mean, what I was gonna ask you guys was like how do you feel at the end of the song? Like it's so complicated and layered. And I think it like depends on what day you're listening to it. But I think that ending the song like that really makes me think about everything I'm projecting onto it. Because it is just sort of like guitar and, and singing. What are you projecting onto it? Being 25, um, you know, there's enough to look back on, but I don't. It doesn't feel at Ezra Koenig's magnitude yet. Yeah. My, my yearning for youth. Um, but it makes me feel like afraid. Afraid that maybe I'm not like enjoying the moment enough and I'm going to be like chasing it later in nostalgia or like that if I don't make sense of it now, I'll never make sense of it. Yeah. I think it's interesting you're 25 now jj and i are both about 30 and that feels like a very heavy five years you that's like you could relate to people but like just being 30 versus 25 is like it's quite a bit different yeah i think it just made me feel existential this song in one word <laughs> i said it definitely this feels like the most eventful five years of my life yeah it, same it's just like like, I feel like I'm starting to figure it out, but, like, whew. The thing is, I'm, like, my dad used to joke that he didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up. And, because, uh, you know, you had, he, had, he had the attitude of a young man um, as a kid. And, I, you know, which, a healthy attitude about it. Um, but what's scary is what if one day, like, you either don't, you either know or you don't care. And that's what something that I'm afraid of and sort of the end of the song. And I just watched it again just to sort of uh, immerse myself in it a little again. And like, Connor, you saying like, you said like, uh, what is it? Like you dipped it in water. What was the phrase you used? Yeah, like you dip it in water and everything dissolves off of it. Everything they've built. Yeah, like it just, it was so crisp. It was like my eyes had to readjust to like this clean like this clean footage and like it's so minimalistic and there's so much reverb on it and it just feels like very empty and like void which is 
ironic because if, if there's reverb then there would be walls somewhere that bounce back and hit you but you know what i mean <laughs> so it's you know it's a echoing sentiment i guess and you're i feel like you take those last that last chorus really to you carry it with you dipped in water that is a beautiful image thanks guys <laughs> it's like it's like he's saying this is what I've been trying to say to you all the time. Like, really listen now. Like, I showed you all this cool footage, but, like, listen to me right now. This is what I'm here to say. And it's like it's like he's a pastor in front of a church, but he's not talking to the church. He's talking for them to us. He's preaching to the choir. Yeah. Because we already know. <laughs> Connor does it, but JJ, I know, because we're 30. <laughs> <laughs> we're 30 yeah. yeah that whole song was just in tongues for me <laughs> I, I couldn't hear a single word of it Ezra <laughs> <laughs> Koenig has just started to sound like a Charlie Brown trombone parent <laughs> my, my young years I, I think that went really good would you guys be open to like a five minute break and then tackle Genix Cops yeah, for sure. Sure, yeah. Right. I'll be right back. So Gen X Cops. First of all, I watched a bunch of clips from the movie Gen X Cops, and it looks violent. Really, really violent. That was my big takeaway. Do you have any synopsis of, of the movie? I don't. I didn't even get that far. I was try I tried to find like just a full thing and I was maybe gonna try and watch it, but I could only find that for Gen Y Cops, which is the sequel. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Gen Z Cops. <laughs> LP six track. <laughs> I think that beginning's an interesting like just the tone at the beginning before the song starts. I wonder if that's I wonder how that'll end up playing on the album for all the all of the songs, I guess. Mm-hmm. You get on a train, those three are the only three people in the car. What do you do? <laughs> you go to the next car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. He's wearing, like, uh, Ezra's wearing vintage Margiela or something in this video. Of course. <laughs> that jacket is very, very expensive. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Margiela. <laughs> Mason Margiela will be at the swap meet. Exclusive trench coat bootlegs. Yes. $10,000 each. I love the black and white part of the video. Feels like newsprint. Um, yeah, the, the video ends with the same footage that Steven Siegel's film does. People leaving the subway. That's not that interesting. And starts with the beginning of the uh, film. Oh, true. Yeah, I guess it is sort of interesting. So, the song, the first verse, black in the or the first line. Black in the sky, sharp in the eye. First of all, black in the sky, eclipse. There's an eclipse show. Um, Ezra did say in an interview, you know, last last time I speculated, you know, there's enough time during totality for an for a bambina but he pretty much confirmed it'll be like a set before the eclipse and a set after the eclipse and we'll just pause during totality which makes sense the band wants to see it and everything um 
but I'm just psyched for two sets. That sounds awesome. Black in the sky and sharp in the axe. That to me, that's just prepare for battle. And the first thing that I, I mean, unfortunately, in 2024, that it comes to mind is like civil war in America. I I saw in the Daily Show there was like 42 percent of people in America think there could be a civil war in the next decade. And it's like that is that seems alarming. That seems like a lot of people, and it's like those are the people who'd be fighting. Yeah, let's <laughs> just say that. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, ooh, huh. and then this is just kind of the the state of things. Everything always seems in turmoil right now, so you're always living uncomfortably, not in a state of I know the way things are and that like we're gonna be a nation and everything. And I think that continues with. Which I think is my favorite line of both of these songs. I love that it kind of brings back, it reminds me of Step. We make no bones. <clears throat> what do you think we make no bones means? My read on that was it's like a, a dis- it's us who aren't violent people. We're not out there killing, but we still live in this world of war craft and this uh <laughs> we still li- we live in a world of of forever wars mm-hmm. um even if we're not fighting them they're being fought on our behalf to some degree yeah i don't have any bones against anybody in this world but there's people out there fighting supposedly with i mean the flag that of the country that's where i live on their shoulder yeah and then i see like the next part of house is not a home is like and a home is nowhere we can stay is just talking about the United States in general. Like it doesn't feel like a home to a lot of us because we can't relate to a lot of the people, no matter how you feel. There's a lot of people in the country that most people can't relate to. Um, But then also getting back to step, like step has the lines. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my bones. I stronger, I'm stronger now. I'm ready for the house. And to me, it kind of feels like a younger outlook a more naive outlook that like this song is coming back and being like or or step was like i'm strong i'm ready for the house i feel everything in my bones and now older and it's like i don't even know what bones are i don't know what a house is i don't know what a home is i thought maybe i did but now i'm older and i don't so i think both of those are there i just i think it's an interesting correlation with step we move on JJ, you made a comment uh, in the last episode about Gen X dodging the war, dodging the Gulf War, as far as being drafted into it. But it's still, it still was fought. We still live in this forever wars. You may not, again, you may not be fighting, but there's people out there fighting supposedly for us. I mean, it's tax season. You're paying for it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. just don't it'd be nice if there weren't wars going on it'd be nice if we felt like we could help the people within our own country but instead the money's spent elsewhere and we can't uh the next line leads us into the title of the song first of all 
the way Ezra says gang is like an all-time Ezra Koenig singing moment. It's kind of like gong of Gen X cops, which is <laughs> primo. <laughs> um, but to me, what that recalls most immediately is like Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 and stuff like that. And like these cops who seem like a little bit older than me, maybe, but they're just there. And I'm not really sure what they were there doing all the time. I was in protests where people were like very much antagonizing the police and like screaming their lungs off at them. And that's what I picture. Ezra on Time Crisis. I'm not an I'm not an avid Time Crisis listener, but I've heard many episodes. And there's this one where he's describing a protest in Manhattan after 9-11 that his parents brought him to and it was just an anti-war protest and i think a million people were marching in the streets and ezra on the pot on time crisis talked about how you just felt like this inevitability of like all of these people saying do not go to war but all of them knowing that like it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. we're going to war no matter what me that's like the powerful build the world um and maybe even like they went to an elite university so they were among elite people elite young people the sons and daughters of the powerful and it's kind of like that's your world in a way is how i kind of see it uh, i also went to a similar place and i i think i can relate to that idea like just being around people who have such wildly different views of the world because of who their parents are i find that line very interesting i kind of see it as like uh, you taught me how i see that each generation will make its own apology and i'm like seeing you as kind of a god figure and it's like over time well a lot of generation, maybe every generation, is kind of born with a sort of resentment towards older generations that the way things are is because of them. But then each generation goes through its own thing where they end up making mistakes as a generation and having to apologize for those mistakes as a generation, which is just naturally aging, time passing, which is the big theme of both of these songs, I think. And then my favorite reading that I came up with the next line. Welcome back, my I was thinking, what is who or what is Ezra's oldest friend? And the answer I came up with is music. Music itself would be his oldest friend. It also is kind of referenced in the song Step. There's the line, your girl was in Berkeley with her communist reader. Mine was entombed within Boombox and Walkman, which I think has often been interpreted as like, my girl, my love is music. So it was like entombed within Boombox and Walkman. So if you read it as oldest friend being music, the way I interpret that line, it's like, we're back. LP5 is here. My oldest friend, music, I'm going on tour. We're going to play all these songs. Are you cursed to depart again? You are, because this era will end, and there will be a pause before the next album. 
the pause before he's back out in the public singing his songs and sharing his songs. I think that's a really interesting take. It could be the same, but I think I read friend as like a god in this situation, in this context. I do too. And going with other lyrics of like when God was above us and God is no longer on our side and he's in flux as far as which team he's on. That was my thoughts. But that's a good thought too. It could be argued that God is music. My next, then it goes on. The way I interpreted that line going on was that he keeps singing, writing songs about bleakness, about the world being not the cheeriest of places. And he can't stop himself from doing that because that's what he sees and wants to talk about. But he's still aware of the fact that like, he's kind of adding to the obscenity and hatred by creating these muse- these songs that reference it. I think that's a really interesting take because on my first listen, I, I agree with Connor. I interpret it as more of, of a god and bringing it back to Capricorn where we talked about sort of growing out of your faith um feels like the same thing where you're still you're looking again for that inspiration or hope track 10 track 10 uh but are you cursed apart again are we just gonna am i gonna keep losing this feeling um and then your ways and means internally obscene i don't know we have a cruel god if there is one so I necessarily relate to that. But now that you've brought up your point, I think I like that interpretation better, whether it's more correct or not. I don't know. But because I, I really relate to that where it's like oldest friend being like inspiration or like motivation to like do something. And it's like, I feel so good whenever I'm like in locked in on something, but whenever it's gone it's just like i i have nothing going on and it's like feeling bored is like the is one, one of the worst feelings where you just like kind of just sit there and you let life happen around you and you have a show on or you're listening to music just as a way to forget that time is going and going with what you said about like looking for the bad in the world because that's what you naturally maybe follow and want to write about i i relate in that where i felt like everything good that i've ever written has been during times where i was unsure of myself and unsure of my path and you know i was alone and kind of just living in a in an attic room bedroom basically and not really knowing and my dad had passed away and i was in a new job in a new city and or like in college where again I was I had so many times where I broke down and was like do I want to go to film school like what this is so stupid because I look around and all these other people are taking initiative and my oldest friend is gone my innovation or you know and so I'm like feel like this is maybe getting into some like therapy stuff but I feel like being doomed to just recreate stuff and not having anything original And so, but the times where like you have raw emotion and looking, you know, when you really hate something or really love something is when that locking in, that inspiration hits. 
Um, I've gotten better about that. Um, I've been, you know, I try to write more silly things now as a way to just let go of it, but I don't know. It doesn't feel as, you know, it's not as grounded as when I try to really think about what I'm writing. I like that, yeah. And hard agree. Yeah. Oldest friend as a muse coming and going is like a really beautiful image. And just like the delight you find when the muse strikes and you create something you love. And then when you're in that lull where you're not making something you love. Yeah. Like, just imagine, you know, seeing someone you haven't seen in such a long time. Like, it's such a good feeling. Especially if you like, if you like the person. (laughs) (laughs) He, you can go months without talking to them or, you know, whatever. And then you just, as soon as you see them again, it's like nothing ever was missing. You just pick up right where you are. And it's such a good feeling. And that's what the muse feels like, you know. It's like the muse tapping on your shoulder, saying, hey, what's up? And it's like time hasn't passed at all. And also, I imagine, like, playing shows again. If you're a famous musician. Can't relate, but... You know, I can I can barely relate in that, like, it's been nice to have, like, interactions on Instagram and everything now that the album cycle started and everything that's fun um it's all worth it just because of all the fans and everything uh the community is the the reason for all of it it's beautiful to be reunited with all of you likewise uh, me too me too yeah. and then the song ends which i think just gets back to the world is how it is on purpose and there's something there's a i think most people feel that there's somebody in charge that we don't really know and that's what's going on but you just have to keep going i think that's my favorite line that's my deep (laughs) yeah sorry to cut you there no when i first heard um the line is by design and consequentially each generation makes its own apology. My first instinct was like the older generation apologizing to the younger generation for what they've done or, you know, and the mistakes they've made. But think now, like sort of thinking about it, it makes more sense going the other way where as you get older, you apologize for, raging against the machine so to speak i guess uh because when you're finally put in that place of being that older generation you can see you see the world a whole lot differently and you have different understanding of everything and so sorry for doubting you i guess yeah gen x cops just seems like like place of the man and I don't know if that's just because my parents are in Gen X, but I'm, I've been born at a time where I antagonize those people. <laughs> yeah. What do you consider yourself? Um, definitely a cusp, like a zillennial, but my, my, I probably have more Zoomer tendencies, content consumption and such. Yeah. So you're on TikTok? I sure am, unfortunately. Yeah.
<laughs> JJ, are you on TikTok? Yeah, all the time. I try to contribute, but... Uh, uh, shit. <laughs> Am I a boomer? <laughs> it's like cigarettes. I just don't, don't start. <laughs> yeah, TikTok is wrong. I mean, it, it's just... Your body's rejecting it for a reason. Yeah. It's an acquired taste that will poison you. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, so, Vampire Weekend's going on tour. They're playing special, brand new for this tour. I think four back-to-back evening and then matinee shows. There's one in Berkeley, California. One in Chicago, Illinois, one in Bonner, Montana, and one in New York City at Madison Square Garden. Uh, seems really freaking cool. Madison Square Garden, at least, they've announced the only song that will repeat among the two sets will be A-Punk, which is uh, a, a sick, Grateful Dead-esque move that I'm very excited about. Um, they've also announced all of the openers for the tour which includes turnstiles not to be confused with turnstile turnstiles is a billy joel cover band with some like old dudes in it their website's like ancient looking and it's really awesome i think and then also princess which is maya rudolph's prince cover band (laughs) that's awesome very interesting yeah there's also Voodoo Glow Skulls opening for them on some dates, which is a ska band, which as we all know, Vampire Weekend is also a ska band. It's true. And then kind of the one I'm most excited about is Ra Ra Riot opening for them. I think Vampire Weekend opened for Ra Ra Riot in the past, like 2007 or something. But that's just cool because I feel like they're in the same kind of indie scene from New York. And I would love to catch some of those shows. That Montana show looks awesome. I was trying to think of what is in Bonner, Montana, and you have to Google it to imagine it, but gorgeous, gorgeous outdoor amphitheater. Yes, like in the in a mountain valley. It's insane. Yeah. The Kettle House Amphitheater. Um, I would love to be at those shows. The plane tickets are outrageous just because it's it's Montana. There's nobody going there. So it's like $700 for round-trip plane tickets. Probably won't happen. Uh, what but happens I hopefully... to supply demand? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hopefully will be in Chicago because that's only an eight-hour drive from where I am um, and New York City. As mentioned before, I'll be in Austin, absolutely. And uh, I am eyeing those Madison Square Garden tickets very, very closely. They've been putting up huge album advertisements on the jumbotrons outside the building so i'm I'm being lured in yeah at the very least i think we can confirm another swap meet um probably like central park for the uh madison square garden shows swapping meats yeah bring your gabagool (laughs) any meats you don't get to swap in austin you bring them to new york you swap them there bring your prosciutto um i also my one wide thought I wanted to put out there is I see a lot of fans calling this like the true successor to Modern Vampires of the City and I know where they're coming from with it being like a more New York focused album with the singles sounding a lot more like Modern Vampires of the City than Father of the Bride in ways. But 
I had an interesting thought. I think I'm sort of seeing it as the antithesis of LP1 for a couple of reasons. One is this old, it's almost like a myth at this point. I don't know if it's how true it really is, but there's a supposedly when the band was founded, there was a manifesto drafted that included things like no distortion, no t-shirts, collar shirts, uh, no trip hop and no post punk, which is very interesting given this album, which features distortion heavily. But then also I was thinking about how the last song on this album is called hope, but like the two singles are kind of more bleak songs, at least compared to like LP one, but then LP one has these poppy happy songs, but then ends with the kids don't stand a chance. I'm hoping it gets happier. I'd love some more hope. I mean, Ezra's been in his field since like 2013 at least. Of the remaining tracks, what are you most excited to hear? I'm excited for Prep School Gangsters. I've seen that's like a New York magazine headline from the 90s about like prep school kids in Manhattan acting like they're from the street and just like the weird cultural clash in that. I don't know, Vampire Weekend has done like great class satire um and i i hope that that brings more of that jj i'm still leaning on the surfer i'm interested to hear how that sounds if there is any surf rock influence at all yeah or would you consider gen x cops to have a surf rock influence yeah now i think about it i mean there's a lot of fast guitars and yeah i could definitely hear that and i'm also excited for ice cream piano the name reminds me of China Cat Sunflower by the Grateful Dead. So I think the singles that have come out so far feel like a collage of Vampire Weekend albums. Like they're almost like ripping everything apart and making a new picture with it. There's been the least amount of Father of the Bride in these two singles, which I'm okay with because variety is awesome. But maybe we'd hear some more of it in a song like Ice Cream Piano. Yeah. I have it on good authority that Ice Cream Piano is the explicit track on the album. Whoa. My authority is that's what iTunes says. <laughs> do you want to fuck like you know I do? <laughs> do you want to fuck my ice cream piano? <laughs> <laughs> or who gives a fuck about an ice cream piano? True. Yeah. I mean, they've always been explicit. I agree with both of you. Prep School Gangsters, The Surfer, Ice Cream Piano. Very intrigued. I am like... I think I'm most excited to hear Hope because it's eight minutes long and they've never done a song that long before. What about Cape Cod? In the recorded version. Oh, my bad. I'm stoked. Oh, one thing I forgot to say about Gen X Cops because we touched on it during the Lost episode. Yeah, just the end. Is the same melody as the end of Hudson, which is. The time has come, the clock is such a drag. All you who change your stripes can wrap me in the flag. But it's also the same melody as in Unbelievers, 
when they go I'm not excited but should I be is this fake that out of the world's plan for me I know I love you and you love see but what all the water contains a little drop little drop for me You know, I try I try to tell my parents what I've been working on sometimes and I'm like it's this Instagram account. <laughs> I I met someone and it's well, there's this tweet from 12 years ago and <laughs> <laughs>